Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. My name is Rob Samuelson. I'm an elder here at Generations, and with me as always is my good friend and the lead pastor at Generations, Jeff Luddington. And you have joined us in our series, Questions from the Classroom. We have had high school students ask us a bunch of questions. We've written them down and we are going through and answering them through this series. Today's question, kind of interesting. Do Christians really believe in foot washing? Do you, do you like wash people's feet? Such a good question. All right. So foot washing was a very cultural, normal thing in ancient Eastern culture. Uh, we see it all throughout Scripture. But it typically looks like this. Here's a, here's a verse out of 1 Samuel. Now, the, if you know the passage, it's uh, David had almost gone in and destroyed an entire city because this guy disrespected him. And uh, his wife came out and convinced David not to. So then there's this passage following that. It says this, When the servants of David came to Abigail at Carmel, they said to her, David has sent us to you to take, to you, to take you to him Excuse me, as his wife. And she rose and bowed with her face to the ground and said, Behold, your handmaid is a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. So here's what she says. She's so honored that not only has he come back and spared the community, but she says, Let me be a servant to you. And part of being a servant here, let me wash your feet. And so you've got to imagine life before paved roads and cars and closed-toed shoes, for that matter. right? And you get a lot of walking along dirty, dusty roads. And so people would get cleaned up. Maybe they'd go to somebody's house for dinner. They'd walk from their house to there. And, you know, they would get there and their feet are dirty. And what would happen is the owner of the home would have either their children or their servants or something. The lowest position in the house would wash the guest's feet. Super common practice. But there's a couple things that are important. One, the actual reality of washing feet. And two, the position of the person who would typically do it. And that was the lowest person. It was like the lowest servant's job to wash feet. So in that day and age, you couldn't wait for someone else to come in and you were no longer the lower servant, <laughs> right? I'm handing hey, this job off to you. can you guys have another kid because I'm sick of doing this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. totally. So I think if, if we're talking about foot washing and, and this question comes from probably the most famous story of foot washing mm. in the Bible, but as we were talking about earlier before we started, this only shows up in the one gospel. John right. mentions it. It's not mentioned anywhere else, but it's the story of right before the Passover meal, uh, John 13, we're going to go through um, starting in chapter 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put, put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. When Then he poured the water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So I guess my first question on this would be, why is Jesus doing this? Is he, He's trying to accomplish something. He's trying to prove something or teach something. What's going on here? So why does Jesus do this? I think you're in good company with every disciple sitting at that table. Like, why is Jesus doing this, right? And, and there's a couple things that Jesus is doing. He's lowering himself, and he's breaking cultural norms, 
right? He's a way we would say that today is he's being countercultural. He's doing the opposite of what was normal. And there is a lesson for that in Christianity that we do the opposite sometimes of what is normal, right? Uh, you know, there's all kinds of passages like this. Like if someone strikes you on one cheek, Jesus says, turn and turn the other cheek, right? Let him strike you on the other one. Instead of fight back, turn, right? And so there's this being countercultural, which he's going to teach them a lesson about. But he's also, pre he's preparing them for the reality of the cross, right? So he's teaching them that a part of their forgiveness and, and sin, the covering of their sin, is him submitting himself to the cross. Now, this foot washing should have been done by other people, right? There should have been a servant there when they're gathering in this upper room to have the Passover meal. So if you're unfamiliar with the context, that's what it is. They're sitting down to this meal and Jesus does this. And there's been this ongoing tension between the disciples, like, hey, I want to be greater than you. I want to sit closer to him. I want to sit on his right hand. I want to sit on his left hand. So there's been this jockeying for position, if you will. And now Jesus goes and, and, and becomes the lowest position, but he is the highest one in the room, right? And in fact, even what you just read, Jesus, knowing that the Father, meaning God, had given all things into his hands, he knows he's the most important person in the room. He knows he's God in human flesh. He knows he is the Christ, the long-awaited Messiah. And they're beginning to believe that as well. They're believing he is the one, right? And so anybody in that entire house should have done this other than Jesus, and yet Jesus now lowers himself to teach them about the reality of the cross. All right, so continuing the story in verses 6 through 8, he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. So this really escalates in a hurry. Peter <laughs> pushes back and he, he says, he says, no, I'm not, I'm not going to let you do this. This is not your role. I should be washing your feet. You shouldn't be washing mine. Why is this such a big deal? Why does Jesus get so serious about this? Yeah, it's, it is funny. I, I love reading Peter uh, or reading about Peter because Honestly, he, I resonate. I mean, like, I just kind of get it sometimes. I, I just outright argue, right? And so it does. It escalates pretty quick. He's like, hey, this is not right, right? Notice that nobody else has washed their feet, right? And so there's, somebody should have done it. Jesus is doing it. And Peter's not having it. And he outright says to him, you will never wash my feet, which is not true. He's about to wash his feet in just a minute, right? But Jesus says, if I don't do this, you have no share with me. And so this is a message on the necessity of what Jesus does to remove sin, right? But it breaks this cultural barrier that is so significant. Peter outright argues with Jesus about this because Jesus is lowering himself in a way that was not done. But they don't really understand, right? That Jesus has to lower, Jesus has already lowered himself to be human, right? He's God in heaven, creator, right? The, the sustainer of life has now limited himself to human flesh, right? So he's no longer God transcendent and omnipresent. He is now in skin, right? In flesh, incarnate. And so he's teaching the disciples how he has lowered himself. And he's also giving them a leadership lesson, right? And how they should treat others. But that, that will come up in a minute. But this is all about the death 
and payment that Jesus must pay for sin. So in verses 9 through 11, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. So Peter finally gives in and says, okay, if, if this means having a share in you, being part of this, right. then not just, you know, I'm all in, not just my feet, let's wash everything. Uh, but Jesus limits it to just his feet. So why is that? Yeah. So I love that Peter says never. And then in the very next verse, okay, everything, right? And that ought to give us some comfort because that's us, right? I mean, that's how we often deal with God. Um, so this, again, is really about forgiveness. It's, it's about what Jesus is going to, cro- to the cross to do. And that is very often, or best, I would say, symbolized in baptism, right? The death and resurrection of Christ, that we are baptized into his death and resurrection. And so this is about the reality that if you're in Christ, you are forgiven of sin, right? All sin, past, present, future, you're forgiven. But also that we need to keep shorter account of our sin with God. So imagine you're a baptized true believer. You're, you're really, truly a follower of Jesus baptized and forgiven, filled with the Spirit of God to to live a new life. But then you go out and you fall short. We all fall short. We all sin, right? And so you go out and, and you in that sin, if we could kind of give that image of like wandering a little bit away from Jesus. So we're close to Jesus, we wander a little away. Then we come back, right? And so you don't need a whole bath to, you know, kind of just wash your feet. And that's, he's using that image, right? So you're already forgiven, Uh, It's like, and I I kind of imagine in this olden setting, dirt roads, you know, kind of open-toed sandals, it's like somebody's invited somebody over to dinner. And so they go, they're at home, they bathe, they clean, they get ready, they put on clean clothes, and then they walk from their house to 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 the person invited them over to their house. And during that walk, their feet got dirty. Now they're not dirty. They're not in need of another bath. They're just, their feet are dirty. And he's giving them this reality of sin. Like you're forgiven, but you do wander away and need to be forgiven again. Not that you're not forgiven eternally, but you need to understand your sin and the penalty for your sin and keep that kind of close account with God on your sin. And so there's this kind of tying to baptism. Another way I explain it is, is tying to, you know, just think of marriage, right? If I, I'm, I've been married to my wife for 22 years and, uh, you know, we're not perfect, we argue. Well, when I argue with my wife, doesn't mean I have to get remarried, right? Now, I might have to, you know, apologize or she apologize or we forgive one another, whatever it might be, but we don't have to get remarried. In the same way, you don't have to get rebaptized or you don't have to be re-forgiven or re-come to Christ again. You just need to recognize this kind of foot washing moment of like, hey, I've wandered away and I need to be cleaned up. All right. So as we look at the end of the story, verses 12 through 14, when he had washed their feet, and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. So is this a command that Jesus is giving to the church that we've just kind of missed or failed on, or is this something different? So it's really something interesting here. If you look back to the Reformation, uh, there are those during the Reformation that wanted to make foot washing the third sacrament. So you have communion, you have baptism, and some people put things forward about uh, foot washing. And it really is stronger 
when Jesus says, listen, if you don't do this, you have no part in me. You have no share in me, right? And so that's pretty strong language. And so people thought, listen, it's that strong. And, and then you get to this place where, um, in verse 13, you also, you also ought to wash one another's feet. So, you know, ought to is like a should. You should do this. But it's not really a command to do this, like repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Like Peter's super clear about that, right? This is an ought to, a, a should, right? And so that's probably why it didn't make it as a sacrament, is it probably isn't an ordinance, right? A, a must. But I think we should do this as a practice in humility in the church. I think this should be practiced because Jesus said, hey, you should do this, right? And so uh, there's been this constant back and forth uh, between the disciples, right? And Jesus is over and over given them reminders. He said, listen, uh, there were these two brothers arguing about this. And Jesus, it says in Matthew 20, Jesus called to them and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So this reminder of servanthood ties into forgiveness, ties into the gospel, but it's also a leadership lesson, right? Not only are we to understand our need for forgiveness, how we kind of wander away. It doesn't mean we'd have to come back to faith. It just means we repent, we return, we ask for forgiveness. God forgives us. God is faithful. But it really is a practice of humility towards one another, that we would, in the church, serve one another in a way like Christ has served us and learn that servant leadership, not worldly lordship over people, but servant leadership is how Jesus has called us to be. So do we see this practice being done in churches today? I mean, I know the answer to this because we've done it in our church before, <laughs> but where do we see this done today in a church? So broadly, we don't see it in the church often, right? There's a I'm guessing, again, for those of you listening, we get these questions, we've taken the names off of them, we've tried to kind of put them in an order, and then we randomly work through different things, and I'm guessing this person reads about it, and maybe they haven't experienced this, or maybe they heard about it happening in a church, but they really haven't walked through it, and so it doesn't happen often at the church, and I think it should. The way we do it at Generations and, and the different churches I've pastored is typically, annually, before Easter, we'll often walk through the final week of Jesus' life. And we'll do it maybe a little more experiential. Maybe uh, we'll spend a night on communion, a night of prayer, and we'll sneak in an, a foot washing night. And I say that because you can't publicize that you're doing a foot washing night. Nobody shows up, right? But what happens is people show up for this service and they, they realize it's a foot washing and they're, they're uncomfortable. And what happens is that people do end up doing it. Almost everybody will, will go through it if you're doing it in a service. And there's this profound moment. And I honestly leave every time we do this amazed at how something so weird and simple of washing somebody else's feet. I mean, literally, you're splashing a little water. It's not even for cleanliness. It's like you're splashing a little water and kind of patting their feet dry. But you are humbly serving somebody else. And so we do it roughly once a year in preparation from Easter and for Easter, recognizing what Jesus did and talking about servant leadership. So I, I've been at those services, yeah. but I also remember there was one other time we did this, which was not affiliated with Easter, but on somebody coming back. 
into yeah. the church that hadn't been in the church for a while. So can you explain how that works? Yeah, so I, I have, as a leader, I have never done well at this. I have this thing inside of me that says there's a need to use foot washing more often. And, and let me kind of paint a scenario for you. We not only lead people to Jesus here that have never heard the gospel before, whatever, but we also get a lot of people that like are returning to Jesus. Maybe they've had a relationship with God before, they've wandered away, maybe they've wandered away for years, and they're coming back. And often they will come back and say, I would like to be baptized again to make my a profession of faith again, and whatever. And so we don't really typically re-baptize people. We tell them, if you've been baptized, you've been baptized, kind of like the conversation we've had earlier. But what happens is there, there is this need for a marker, like a line in the sand that says, hey, I'm returning to God. And we've used foot washing for that. And the time you're thinking of, I remember, I remember it pretty clearly here. And uh, we just, this person wanted to recognize that she had returned to her faith. And so we did foot washing instead of, she had asked to be baptized again. Instead of doing that, we said, listen, you're already baptized. Let's do foot washing. And so it's a, it's a really beautiful way of someone kind of humbling themselves and recognizing their sin and their need for repentance. But on the other side is an even, if not equally beautiful, more beautiful way that the church is not coming in above them, but under them, like serving them as they return to their faith. And so it's this image of humility on both sides. And foot washing is that. It's humility on both sides. It's being willing to take your shoes and your socks off and have somebody else wash your feet is a it's a weird moment and it requires a bit of humility and it requires humility and service on the part of the person washing as well. And so there is this beautiful image uh, that we could see. And so I would use it as a way of recognizing people returning to their faith. If I did it more often, I, we just never have lived that out. All right. So let's, let's wrap up with this. As I read this story, I see Peter's reaction to mm-hmm. Jesus humiliating himself, humbling himself and saying, I'm going to go from being your rabbi, your leader, to being your servant. Um, But you mentioned there was a much bigger lowering humiliation for Jesus going from being God to being man. And so that passage that just pops into our mind from that is Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was born, or so though he was in the form of of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself to becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And just that idea that, like like Peter said, you know, you should not do this for me. Hmm. That why? Why are you doing this for me? I think that just brings up those thoughts of, of what lengths God was going to go through to do for us what needed to be done that we couldn't do for ourselves, as we talked about you know, last week in, in free will. Mm. So do you want to wrap this up with just that thought? I do. I, I think we don't... I, I will never understand all that it cost Christ, right, to, um, to reconcile us to God. I, I will never understand what it was like for God to give Jesus on our behalf. We'll never get all that fully. Um, but these things are given to us so that we can understand better. The foot washing to, to show us this humbling, how Jesus humbled himself, how Jesus gave up himself, and how he led as a servant. And so, yeah, I wanna just, I, I, that's the, that is the point here. 
And so if you're listening, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening to us. Thank you for joining us today. Um, if you hear this and you want to pass this on to others, like this wherever you're seeing it, uh, subscribe to our podcast on Apple or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, share it with your friends, your family, those that may want to hear this. Uh, we love getting the gospel message and answering questions out to everyone. If you have any questions, you can always reach out to us through questions at generations.email. Until then, God bless you. Thank you. For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church, G-E-N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at ginfamilychurch.